Hi guys, Sam here and welcome to another episode of the Game Alone's podcast and today we are going back to basics. The whole premise of this podcast was to get property investors and business owners on to discuss property investment and business. So today we have Justin Wilkins who is a property investor and we're going to talk about how he got into property investing, his first property purchase and all things surrounding that. I'm not going to lie, we go off on a couple of tangents as we normally do. Um, Justin's got this awesome YouTube channel where he's reached a thousand subscribers so we're going to talk about that and how that helps him find investors. Um, we're going to talk about the fact that he hasn't given up, given up his day job um, as, an, as an agent which is really really helpful for him in terms of cash flow. We're going to talk about a business that he started and stopped um, and various different ways that he has um, kind of found extra ways to find money to put down as cash deposits. So a really, really interesting back to basics episode of the Game Alone podcast, exactly what I was after when I first started doing this. So I really, really hope that you enjoy this episode. And if you do, don't forget, take a screenshot while you're listening to it on your phone, um, send it to your Instagram stories, make sure you tag me and Justin in it. We'll share it about. And if you haven't already, don't forget to rate and review the podcast and of course subscribe. But without any further ado, here is my amazing interview with Justin Wilkins. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Game Alone's podcast. And I'm very, very happy today to have uh, Justin Wilkins on the show. How are you doing, Justin? You all right? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, no problem at all. Justin's just been telling me off air that uh, that he decided to, to kick off early today and went for a swim because he lives down on the south coast. So um, I'm sweating in my little sweat box of a, of a bedroom <laughs> at the moment. So not going to say I'm a little bit jealous, mate, but thanks for rubbing it in. <laughs> no worries. You know, I've got to make most of the weather, haven't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, Justin, um, you're pretty prominent on a lot of the social media channels at the moment, but um, for those that are listening that haven't heard um, about you before, um, give us a bit of an intro. Tell us who Justin Wilkins is. Yeah, sure. Uh, so property investor or new property investor. I own two properties, but one of those is my own. Bought my first buy to let in December last year up in Liverpool, but I live down in the south. So a nice five hour drive every time I want to view some houses which is really sensible on my behalf um, but yeah no I you know quite new to property and just you know showing showing my journey and documenting it I guess on social media I do love social media as well so yeah and we, I was saying off air how one of my favorite things to do on this uh, podcast is to talk to people that are just are actually going through it at the moment and um, what's been great is, is following that sort of you documenting that that first purchase but I'm always keen to find out so was there a moment where you actually I don't know you was a book you read or a YouTube video you, you you watched or something and you suddenly went I should probably look into this property thing was there like a moment that actually like a trigger point for you there's a couple actually yeah I'd say um when it comes to you know I used to be an estate agent so after I left school I went straight into a estate agency I did that for seven years but out of those seven years, it probably took until year five for me to actually realize that, you know, there's some people turning up in, in decent cars and I've seen the same faces and they look like they're doing all right. And, and yet they seem to be buying more and more houses. There must be something about this, you know, the property game. And I don't know why it took me so long or, or you know, I always knew property is a good thing, but I didn't really trigger the fact that you could buy and hold. I always thought it would be big developments you had to get involved with. So that was the main one for me. And then once I, I've also owned a business at some point, once I sold my business and decided to get my head into property, I read Property Magic, which 
for me as a book was just so simple and laid it all out, all the different strategies, and it just opened my mind to everything. Yeah, I, do you know, it, I, I, tend, I tend to find that it's probably one of like three different books that people read and Property Magic is, is, is probably in the top two of those that people yeah. read. And do you know what's really weird is I've read probably the first half of that book about six times. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I've never actually got all, all the way through. Um, yeah. si Simon Zeech, he followed me on Twitter recently. So I might, you know, maybe I'll reach out to him, apologise that I haven't read his book in full yet. And get, him, get, get him on the podcast. Um, but, but cool. So you, you mentioned in there about, um, about selling the business. Tell us a little bit about that, because I'm always keen to hear sort of both sides, not just the property side of stuff, but other bits that go on in the background. Yeah, sure. So when I was an estate agent and you know, budding entrepreneur in, in my mind, I wanted to make money in order to start piling that into property because estate agency, whilst they drive around in decent cars and nice suits, it doesn't earn you huge amounts of money. So you need something else if you're going to start trying to invest on the side uh, and improve your lifestyle. So I thought the way to do that would be starting a business. I started a clothing business. Um, I ran that for two years, you know, built up quite you know reasonably solid brand here in the south of the uk it was kind of like a sportswear brand i learned a hell of a lot and but there was just at some there was some turning point where i got to a level in which the the business really needed a large amount of investment to grow you know so i'd buy products in work really hard on promoting it advertising it doing events selling it but you by the time you've done all of that you're, you're breaking even on the profits so it, it got to the point where it needed some big level invest of investment in order to grow it and at that point i thought well actually maybe that this let's cut out the middleman and let's just dump my money straight into property you know and, and go hell for lever on on property itself rather than with the business yeah it's, it sounds it's funny actually you saying that um because i saw uh, obviously i replied to it on your uh, instagram stories recently when you said that you know you can you can tell me what uh, what book i'm reading at the moment um <laughs> and it was uh, it was shoe dog sounds like you had a pretty similar kind of experience there where it was just it was kind of like right sell this money buys more stock then sell that and the money buys more stock and it's kind of almost a never-ending cycle that doesn't actually end up doing what you, you need it to do which is to create stockpiles of cash to go and invest with yeah literally and and it's you know on a much smaller scale it was literally you know how how um phil knight was running you know nike but it just got yeah he if he, i don't doubt that if i stuck with it and really went through it, you know, over the next five, 10 years, I could have grown it to something, but I had to make a decision then. And, and property has always been of interest to me. So I thought, that's it. Let's just go for it. Go for property now. Yeah. I'm glad I did. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I get it. I think um, it's funny, isn't it? How I, I tend to speak to, obviously in, in my in my job, I speak to property investors every single day. And a lot of them are, um, they understand, right, I need to get into property. Um, they are probably told by property education companies that they can do money in, money out everywhere, um, and it's really easy. But actually, um, I see that the most successful property entrepreneurs are the ones that have a solid business background as well. Um, not only because it allows them to actually, um, I suppose, run their property business like a business, um, which, which certainly helps, but also if they have something that's generating, that's trading in the background, it can it can continually push money into that property business to to continue to grow. So is that was that kind of the original plan? Is have you got plans to maybe do something similar to that again? No, no, I don't think I'd ever do it again. But 
I, I mean, the way you're definitely right in the sense that the skills that you learn from making mistakes um, and, you know, all of the lessons that you learn from making those mistakes in business, you immediately carry over and you feel much more confident. And then when I moved into property, you're absolutely right. I wanted to start it just like a business. You know, I've only got one buy to let that's earning me money right now, but I run that like a business. I'm very serious on, on if you start that like a business and you, as you grow it, it will become much easier to manage it and, and run that properly from, as I say, from the, from day one, so that when it does scale and build that then you can build it more as a big machine, a big powerhouse. And that's my goal really. You know, I've got a, a figure in mind that I want to get to in terms of monthly, you know, profit and well, passive income, if you can say passive income. Um, and by setting it up as a business, I will keep that as passive as possible as it gets bigger. Well, that's the yeah. goal anyway. Yeah. It's as you said, as you were saying that, then you were going, you know, if I'm allowed to say that, um, passive income is, it's a bit of a phrase, isn't it? It's like a buzz phrase that <laughs> it stirs a lot of people's emotions. Um, and you know, there are certainly a lot of people out there that say there's no such thing as passive income. Um, and there are other people that really do jump on it and say, no, there, there absolutely is. So from, from, from your point of view, then reaching your goal and having passive income, what, what does that mean? Does that mean absolutely no involvement from you or does it actually mean, you know, you're still there kind of peddling a little bit, but the vast majority of, of stuff is taken care of. For me, yeah, for me, it definitely means having little involvement. And it's not because I don't want to, because I'll always want to do stuff in the property realms, but it, it will be having freedom of time. You know, being someone that work, has worked a nine to five job for someone else for, you know, a good, well, probably over 10 years now. The thought of living off my own diary and calendar is very appealing and it would be just creating some sort of freedom of time where I don't have to follow a set routine but I would still definitely follow you know be doing more being active in the business world you know I love business and I and I do intend to buy businesses and more properties in the future depending how successful I am and how I go on but that's something that I aspire to do or certainly invest or potentially buy property properties and businesses as I get bigger in the future yeah I, I, it sounds like our way of thinking is actually pretty aligned i had a conversation with a business partner recently about kind of this whole um what do you call it like venture capitalism this idea of, of sort of buying into businesses that maybe aren't doing all that well um but it's, it's funny isn't it how i think there's there's certain people that, that do property for the absolute love of it and there are people that uh, i suppose maybe do it because they just see it as something they can build as a, as a revenue stream you seem to be a bit of a unique uh, person that kind of sits in the middle of that where you do enjoy the property, but it's also, there seems to be like it's a means to an end as well. Yeah. Like I, I don't doubt that I'll still be doing this when I'm 60 and maybe even 70 going out on viewings or going to sites. I don't doubt it because I love it. And, and, you know, looking back on why I started property, my grandfather did it. My parents have always, you know, been a bit involved with property so I always know that I enjoyed it, but at the same time, it's creating a lifestyle that's what's it's in the front of my mind right now is doing that bit first. And I think as you see, you can see this with some people that, you know, I've networked with and got to know over time when they start to reach that point where they are earning the income they want and the lifestyle they want, well, then they still do it because they absolutely love it, you know, and, and it's that point I want to get to. And that's when I feel that I am some level of successful when I've got to that point. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I really love that. And actually, um, 
it's funny because I wish I wish you could come on to a few calls that I have with like new clients because to have someone that, that has that you know solid uh, sort of idea in their mind and they, that goal because um, I always and I've said this to, to a few other people on this podcast when I speak to clients a lot of them come up with this weird it's, it, it's so weird that it seems to just happen across multiple clients you say you know what's your goal in property and they all say I want net net income of ten grand a month like. 10, like 10 grand is this magic figure that doesn't matter who you are, it will give you an amazing lifestyle. Um, and I always try really desperately to kind of really work them down and see if I can find out you know, the real reason why they, they want that amount. And, and it tends to come back to lifestyle, as you said. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I think that's, that's the key is actually that time, I think nowadays, is almost more precious than money. And I think people are starting to realise that. And um, the, the money allows you the freedom to have the time. That's like the, 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 something that, that drives it, but it's not the, the end product. It's not, it's not what you want. No, no one just wants to sit there doing nothing with a million pounds sitting in their bank account, do they? No, exactly. And I, well, the, I think the thing or the, the mindset changer for me this year was because, yeah, it would be lovely to have 10 grand a month or you know, to, to think really big, but to start and before any of that, what I said in one of my recent you know, videos on YouTube is that I, I did at the beginning of this year, I set a task in which I, you know, worked out how much or listed everything I wanted in life. You know, if I could pick what I wanted in five years time, cars, houses, so on, how much would that cost me um, if I didn't have to work as well? And then I took that monthly amount and right, that's how much I need to try and earn from my property business. Obviously, ideally a little bit more, so there's a buffer, but at least that to start with is how much I you know, earn per month. And then from there, as sad as this is, I then work out on a spreadsheet, well, how many houses is that going to be? How many? Okay, so I've given myself five years. How many houses do I need? And how many do I need to buy each year? And how much is each one of those houses adding to that income? And if you really picture it out in your brain, I mean, it feels so much easier for me anyway, and it's, it's been such a mindset changer for me and, and it's made me realize it's, it's definitely possible. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. Do you know what you were saying? Sad as it may be, that's not sad at all. I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's what people should do. You know, yeah. they should understand if, you know, why would you put yourself, cause property isn't easy. You know, people think that it is, it's not. And um, I think if you're going to put yourself through this, at least know the reason why you're doing it and have, you know, something quite solid in your mind as to what you need to achieve to feel as though you've, um, or a goal you need to set yourself that once you've achieved it, you've actually done what you set out to do. Um, so did, when you were doing that, I'm interested, did you, um, did you think of it in terms of, right, what do I need like now to maintain my life now? And then what would I need in the future to have like the life? And I know that you, you know, you did the, the videos recently with the, about the, you know, you going and driving some pretty lovely looking cars um, around, around the streets, which was, I was very jealous about. Um, so is that how you kind of did it? You're like, right, what do I need now? But then what would I need if I wanted an Audi R8 and a five bedroom house by overlooking the sea and could go on however many holidays I want a year? Is that, is that kind of how it worked? Yeah, so I did more the ideal lifestyle, um, but I have a point at which in between would allow me to, if I wanted to leave my job, I mean, I actually quite enjoy my job. So it's, it would be a difficult one. It would be trying to actually work out and balance up time as to where my time is more valuable. But yeah, I have a midpoint in which once I've hit a certain amount of income, I could live the same current lifestyle and be, yeah, I guess financially free. I don't really hate that term, but financially yeah. free. Um, and then, 
there's obviously the, the far loftier goal, um, which is what I consider, I think when you're doing a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, whatever your goal is, it should be lofty, but you know, somewhat achievable. You know, it should be a little bit out of grasp, but, but you, know, you should still be able to just about grab it if you really work for it. And that's what that is really. Yeah, it would be like some of my friends have really nice cars and, and houses and so on. It would be to try and achieve what they have, but from my investments and so on. Yeah. Do you know, it's funny, actually, you, talk, you, you obviously it tr triggered something in my head. Um, I read, uh, oh God, what was it? I read a book, it was called Financial Freedom. And oh, this is going to really annoy me. I will put, I'll put this in the show notes. Anyone that's listening, I'll put, put a link to this book. It's actually a really good book. Um, I think Grant Sabatier, I think is the guy that wrote it. And he's an American fella. And um, it's just his journey of how he became financially free. And he didn't really necessarily do it through just through property. And obviously in the States, it's a little bit different. But there's some real fundamental things that he does. And he talks about things that he did in, in this book that, um, that anyone can, if they followed this, you know, they can achieve something similar. And one of the things that he talks about in there was the fact that, because um, you kind of hit on it about having certain amounts of cash or certain amounts of income available to you to maintain certain lifestyles. And he worked out like what his, what his ideal kind of lifestyle would be. And he set it out as his goal that he would create a pot of cash that he could live off the interest of for the rest of his life. And he, you know, he wouldn't basically his kind of his burn rate was infinity effectively is how he kind of describes it. And that fact that like absolutely fascinated me. And when he goes into the, he goes into some quite, you know, serious detail on, on, on how that works and all the different sort of, investments that he got involved with for that and um so yeah i've always kind of had that in my brain it's like yeah that, could you get to a point where you, no matter what you did for the rest of your life you pretty much would just be sound financially but actually it's, it's probably not as far removed from reality as what most people realize when you, if you if you can plan it then and visualize it then you can achieve it right absolutely yeah i certainly hope it's achievable yeah, no, I'm gonna. If anyone listening, it's a, it's a cracking book. Um, and if Grant, if you're listening, if you want to come on the show, then uh, feel free. Um, hit me up on Instagram. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I was um, I was interested as well when you were talking about um, before about uh, buying businesses. I want to I want to get back to that because um, number one, I wasn't expecting you to, to bring that up. So you know, tangent alert. But um, but. One of the great, one of the things that I think about in terms of businesses and buying businesses or potentially recovering a business, so finding one that needs some help and, and, and figuring it out. And I, I truly believe that most businesses can be turned around with the right marketing. And is that part of your, has that come into your psyche when, when sort of starting to promote yourself on social media, you, you know, learning about YouTube and Instagram, all these kinds of things, is that actually these skills are transferable to that in, in the future and could help you with those potential ventures? Yeah, I mean, the main reason for me wanting to do that is because, you know, having been a business owner and having, you know, uh, struggled month to month and, you know, tried to make ends meet, you know, whilst, um, you know, buying the next products and trying to do all the marketing and, you know, whilst you've lived and breathed something, you realize how much it would have meant if, if you'd found an investor to have kept you afloat. So there's part, partly that, but yeah, also, you know, marketing, as much as I love to sell, I don't actually sell anything when it comes to my social media. I did it for a job, but now when it comes to my social media, it's purely, I consider free, free knowledge or as much as I can give really uh, at my current level. But I just love the idea of, yeah, of social media, what, 
what free platform it gives everyone to market their business. And yeah, if I could go into a business, transform it, grow it, scale it, you know, and also I could do that on my own terms. You know, if I had going back to that whole having an income where you're not forced to worry about the financial side of things, you're doing it for the love of it. You're doing it to help out someone else in their business. Yeah. That, I mean that I'd get a lot of enjoyment out of that, I believe. Yeah. And actually, do you know, it's funny because the, 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 the kind of the, the balance between the business and the property. Um, and I, I do believe that the, the, the two, when, when you think, when I think of when I'm talking about property in this instance, I'm talking about, you know, an investment company, not, you know, developing and flipping like we mentioned before. And I feel like the two just like balance each other out because on the one hand, you've got, you know, I've got a successful business it's generating cash. I can plow that into the property business to keep continually buy assets that continually make more money. But then on the flip side of that, the roles can then reverse and you can have a portfolio that makes a certain amount of money, which gives you the freedom to work on a business and not be reliant on the cash that that business generates month to month to feed yourself. Um, and I think yeah. that's the freedom that, that allow, you get to that sort of, it's like a tipping point, gets that level and you suddenly go, yeah, hang on a second, Financi I'm financially free, sorry for anyone that's offended by that terminology. Yeah. So I actually have the time, knowledge and ability to go into, some, into a business that I think I could be quite passionate about and really turn it around without thinking, how am I going to look after my family? How am I going to pay my car lease? <laughs> you know, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Do you know what I mean? Is that, and, and would you, would you sort of go along with that? Is that how, how you've thought about yeah. things? Yeah. Yeah. So once you, once you remove your financial gain from the equation and you're then doing it for enjoyment, that's what, that's what I picture. And you know, it might be, might not be, you know, recreating the wheel when it comes to a new business, you know, a business, but it rather, I'd love to go into an industry which is clearly lacking behind and be the innovative one um take you know take estate agency for example sorry to any estate agents listening but it's a really poor in terms of social media marketing the industry is, is doing a terrible job of it you know and just take lockdown for example everyone's started having to throw together video tours well they weren't video tours they were a, a host of different pictures put together with a bit of music behind it and it wasn't, you know, a proper video tour. There was a few out there doing some, but there's so much room for innovation in that industry. And for someone to come out as a clear leader, again, for me, sitting down here five hours away from where I invest, if someone actually took the time to make a 10-minute video per property they took on, so when you take on the instruction, you just went and made a quality video, you did a talk, you know, talked around it with a tour, you worked out the ROI of it, so on, the amount of time that that would save a potential investor or someone looking to buy it for their own home and the amount of um, interest I think you'll get off of other sellers from doing so, you know, I'm just picking on a state agency right now, but there's plenty of other industries out there which could do with that same kind of innovation. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right there. And actually, I mean, I, I've, um, just because obviously as I said, my, me and my wife just moved up to the West Midlands, you know, we're, um, we're in rented at the moment just because I wanted to get used to the area, but we're certainly, we've been looking at, um, right move and, and stuff like that. And actually we've come across some really good video tours, actually all, got, all got the cheesy music behind them, obviously. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like we, we looked at a couple that were about four or five minutes long and they're actually videos and you could tell that they were done with like selfie sticks, but obviously like the yeah. other way, other way round. Um, yeah, that's really, good. I really, respect really, really decent. Yeah, really, really good. But I'm with you on that though. You could definitely take that to another level. And I think my, my first ever job, 
um, well, my first job in property anyway was working for Foxton as a state agent, so you don't necessarily have the best reputation in the market. But one thing I have to say is that at the time, you know, this was 2008-ish sort of time, um, you know, they were really innovative in that market. Even stupid things like they were open a little bit later, but now it's kind of the norm for a stage to be open a bit later and open on Sundays and that kind of stuff. But they were like the first to, to do it. So, um, but yeah, even so, I still think there's a lot of room for manoeuvrement in that, in that industry. But there's quite a lot of, it, of industries within, like micro industries within the property industry that I think um, hopefully yeah. this lockdown has sort of jarred into gear a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, I like Conveyances, you know, that's surely got to have a bit of a shake up now. Mm. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, th I suppose it's difficult, isn't it? When, when we're so used to doing things a certain way, to make an unmasked change is going to be hard. And like you say, it's, it's going to take innovators to be able to, um, I suppose, I suppose move, move an industry in a certain direction. It's going to take one company to do something amazing, take a market share, and then everyone else follow. Um, yeah. But, it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not always as easy as that, right? <laughs> Sadly not. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see i mean i'm i'm i'm, I'm hoping that within it i'm going to say all the time in adverse in any adversity um there is opportunity so hopefully that is what sort of happened during this um but uh, i was going to ask you on the business side because i know in my mind there are a couple of business types that i would love to be involved with what they have you got apart from a state agency is there something in your mind or there an existing company that you're like I would love to emulate that particular business or I'd love to work in a business similar to that at some point in the future. Actually, not particularly. I mean, I, you know, a state agency. That wasn't one... a trick question, don't worry. No, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. That's the only one that springs to mind because I've worked in it, you know, and I know how it can be done well, or at least I feel like I know how it can be done well and smarter as well you know there's a lot of estate agents that work ridiculous hours and they don't get paid well enough for the work they put in for these sellers and so i feel like there's a way of you know that they could market themselves a hell of a lot better and they could work smarter rather than harder i have a friend who works for an agency here in brighton and i think at the moment they're working between 10 and 3 yet they're doing really well in sales they work with a lot of investors you know they just um I mean, they've got it pretty well cracked at the moment and they obviously lose a bit of business because of they're not open like, you know, some of the agents are open between eight and six, eight and seven. But, you know, if you can try and carve a bit of a niche for yourself, you know, that's why that in industry in interests me. But um, I'll probably think of something as soon as I come off this podcast. But, yeah, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always walking past businesses and, and imagining what I could do with them and, you know. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Like I think even stupid things like um, my local pub back in North London, when they started out on Instagram, like I sent them um, like a, a message and just went, oh, by the way, like, because I want them to succeed. Obviously, it's my local. I want them to do well. And I know yeah. I actually know the, the landlord. Um, and it was his, his other half that was doing the Instagram. And I sent like a big message of, don't forget to do this, don't forget to do this, don't forget to do this. And that's just on like, one tiny part of marketing so i'm exactly the same i walk past businesses all the time and go well what would i do if i was the owner of that business it's quite exciting isn't it but i suppose it takes a certain mindset to, to think in that kind of way oh definitely does yeah not every, not everyone's for it and mm. not everyone would once they became in a financial situation of luxury most most people might you know bugger off to spain or or onto yeah. a yacht somewhere you know so it's not for everyone and, and i probably would love to do a bit of that as well but um, yeah but I'm sure I'll get bored quickly and then I'll be back here looking. <laughs> there's, there's, there's quite a lot, I think, of um, 
of like successful entrepreneurs or, or successful business people that have tried to retire a lot of times and then failed because they just they, they, they get to that point where they're, they're sitting on their yacht you know in the you know, in a bay somewhere and they're like uh, yeah so now what <laughs> I've, yeah. I've achieved all this yeah. stuff but I'm, I'm really bored now <laughs> yeah. I i'll happily I'm, get to that place i'll happily yeah. get there and let you know how it is and and then um and then see where i need to go from there i guess <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose that that's that's a proper first world problem, isn't it? <laughs> to uh, to 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 get to that sort of point. But um, one thing I was I was keen, uh, as I said beforehand, um, to to really get into a bit more of the nitty gritty because I think a lot of people listening would, would benefit from this. Is you know how, that jump that you made to to buy your first buy to let. You know how how did that come about, and and what did you actually do? You know how did you how did you raise the deposit money? How did you raise the refurb money and all that kind of stuff? And what kind of maybe some tips you would give to people that were just in that in that position that you were you know not that not that long ago? Yeah, so I mean, this is what I, the topic I love to talk about because there's a lot of people that haven't got a buy to let that have educated themselves over the last few months and are really keen to get stuck in and that was me a couple of years ago uh probably october 2018 thinking about it so yeah october 2018 i've read property magic feeling you know more motivated than ever and and um and yet i was very clear that i wanted to well uh, your, your head goes in a lot of different directions but i i did ultimately know i wanted to do single let buy to lets and just build up from there I didn't have the cash to do it down here at down south because the, the property prices are much higher. So then I started looking at areas up north whilst saving. So effectively just educating myself. I worked out it was probably going to take me two to three years to save for a buy to let. So in, if I just saved money from my job, which I could save a reasonable amount, but just not quick enough, considering I was starting with a little bit, but near enough, near nothing. So... I then did lots of different things on the side, you know, tried my hand at any, any business going eBay, so on to try and make a bit of extra money per month. And, and, you know, that worked fairly effectively for what I wanted to do. And I just educated myself and saved hard. And it took, a, it took about 12, 13 months to save up uh, deposit. So my debt and fees were um, all in all for the property I bought in Liverpool were just over 16,000. So it's a, a very low entry point in terms of you know buying into property and um i chose liverpool because i looked at all the, the different northern markets i looked at wales i looked at you know the west midlands as well but for me the one that stuck out i mean there's lots of good areas but the one that stuck out and hadn't been fully tapped into in my opinion was liverpool if you look there now i mean there's a lot of people investing there but um you know even a year or two ago it wasn't quite as busy and i could see that the the local council were pumping in a lot of money. Investors were going there. It just seemed that it could be the next potential place for growth like Manchester has been over the last couple of years. So yeah, then, and then in terms of uh, buying, I just, when I was near enough the money, I just started going up there, took doing trips up there at the weekends, you know, to learn the different areas, walk the streets. And that was a nice, you know, experience in itself, just learning everything and viewing houses and, I think it was the third, third or fourth trip up that I, you know, really saw a couple that took my eye and they, you know, the ROIs worked well on them and then just started offering low. So um, how many, how many offers did it take for you to get that one 
exception accepted. Wasn't I mean it's not as many as some might say. I think I think it was about six or seven different offers. Wow. But that one in particular, I or the one I bought in particular, I met the owner. So I met the lady, really lovely lady, and she said, Look, I've I've had a sale fall through, I'm desperate to go. You know, I've been here twenty six years, I've had, just got divorced, I'm desperate to go. And I said, That's great, because I'm desperate to buy. And <laughs> uh, and no, I um no, I didn't I just sort of just I wanted to offer low, get it for the right price, but I didn't want to completely screw her over. So, you know, I went in much lower, but when she said that I want to try and meet in the middle, I was, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted to be a reasonable person as well. So that we both got a win-win. The numbers stacked up for me and um, yeah, just went for it and it didn't need much work. So when it completed, it was really only a case of, you know, replastering a few walls, painting, uh, doing some electrical work, some real basics that fortunately, well, I say basic, I couldn't do half of them, but my dad is very hands-on and he's, a, he, um, he's been really good at DIY. So my parents came up with me for the three or four days that we went up there on completion and we just, um, yeah, just slept on the floor and, and did it all. Amazing. Amazing. And so um, am I right thinking, is that that one um, ready for rent yet or is it still, there's still a bit of work doing on it? No, no, it's been, it's been rented six months now. Amazing. So I guess you're now on to, on to looking for project number two. That's it. Yeah. Going back up in July. Yeah. How, how frustrating was that then? I suppose that probably happened at exactly the wrong time. Pulled, pulled some money out of that particular deal and then wanted to get going on the next one. They had to sort of sit because of, uh, because of lockdown and not really, not really do much. How, how frustrating was that? Uh, yeah, quite. I mean, <laughs> truth be told, I haven't actually pulled any money out of it yet. I've left okay. it in there. So I've left the money in there and this next project I'm going to be funding with an investor that's reached out to me through social media. So, which I'm really pleased about because then whilst things are a little bit, you know, iffy in the market and we don't know whether they're going to be up or down over the next six months, 12 months, I'm quite happy leaving money in that property just to make sure. Cause I got quite, it's quite, um, you know, high leveraged anyway, cause it was an 80% loan to value mortgage. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite happy retaining a bit more equity just in it whilst we go through this period. And then if I need to, you know, remortgage and pull it out in 12 months time, you know, or two years, I might do it then. So. Yeah. Perfect. I suppose because a lot of people get um, very kind of hit up with this, right? I need to do this buy refurbish refinance model, but that model, um, and I say this to a lot of people, it's actually quite a far reaching model because just because you're waiting a little bit of time to pull that money back out doesn't mean it doesn't fit within the same model you're still buying something adding value to it and then pulling money out later down the line um it's just that it's not immediate because a lot of people use it as you know it can be used as a, a very quick method of building a portfolio but even doing it as you're as you're doing but now you've actually um i suppose one of the great things that you've done is you've you've done project number one you've shown the world that you've done project number one because you've been documenting it and, and all that sort of stuff and obviously growing a following and, and, uh, and credibility um, through doing that. And, and now you're actually able to go off and do a next one with the aid of, of, of an investor putting some, some money into the deal. So it's kind of a, a win-win-win situation, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I very much feel actually it came together in a way that wasn't necessarily planned like that. But actually now that I'm in this situation, I feel very grateful because I can take on the investor's money and um, of course, I want to do the best job possible for him, myself. But if for any reason, you know, because we have to look at what could go wrong, if for any reason 
anything went wrong, I have that money up my sleeve in the other house. I've got money in my property down here, down south. You know, I've got a few options now, whereas a lot of people would have taken the money from their first one, bought the next one, which is nothing wrong with doing that. In fact, you know, if you can do a few projects yourself, it's brilliant before working with an investor. But at least now I have a couple of safety blankets to offer the gentleman I'm going to be working with. And um, yeah, makes me feel certainly a lot safer about doing it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I imagine it makes him feel a lot safer about it as well. So that's, that's, so. A, that's, always, that's always an important <laughs> thing. And um, I'm interested to hear how, how this kind of came about, because you obviously mentioned that this particular investor um, reached out via social media. Now, um, I, talk, I talk to a lot of, a lot of people about, about the use of social media. Obviously, I, I use it myself to generate you know, inquiries and for, for my own business. But um, from, a, from a, a, I suppose, a property investor point of view, I always say that there's kind of two leads that you, you want to try and generate as, a, as an investor, which is properties that you can buy um, and, in, and money. So investors potentially that you can, you can use. So from your point of view, um, the, the free marketing, as you said, which is social media, was that kind of a goal? Was that, was that something that you had in mind? And did you do anything in particular to actually try and, um, I don't know, either reach out to potential investors yourself or, or put yourself in the shop window for investors to reach out to you? I think just ultimately by being so consistent with it and just do, you know, just, documenting everything so when i started social media it was actually more as you say it was more to network to find potential property deals to learn off of other people and kind of say look this is what i'm going to do follow along to new people but that first six months i was doing it it wasn't anything to do with finding an investor but of course as you then you know you buy a property and then you think actually how can i you know you hear about other people and they've managed to leverage people's money offer them an interest rate and then obviously grow their own portfolio. I thought, well, look, I've, you know, that would be a really sensible way for me to go forward. So it, it ultimately became part of the plan, but I didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily target my posts around trying to find an investor. I just did what I was doing. I just thought mm. if I keep going at it and someone is interested enough, then they'll reach out. And the, I've actually found or, or two people to work with or two investors to work with. And had more inquiries since that. And that's, you know, not to big myself up. It's great. But I'm actually turning people down or saying, can I work with you in six months or a year? I know a lot of people would actually take all of the money and just go, look, I'll work with it. I'll find deals. But there's an element for me where I, w I want to do it properly, do it right. I'm going to document it. I'm going to, you know, make sure their money isn't too much at risk. And um, so that's why I've just got the two on board. But yeah, both of them came through social media and almost within a couple of weeks of each other, obviously did something right within that month. And, and they'd both been watching, I think, a fair amount of time. So that's the thing. You can't go looking for it necessarily. You just got to do what you can do and just be relentlessly consistent with it. Absolutely. social media is all about. I couldn't agree more. And actually, what you hit the nail on the head there because you were saying that. Um, well, firstly, you mentioned about like not bigging yourself up. Big up, big up yourself because getting those kind of levels of inquiries and investors is fantastic. So, um, you know, anyone listening that isn't isn't putting the time into marketing themselves on social media, hopefully they're taking note and going, uh, maybe I will do what Justin's doing because it's obviously working. But actually, something you mentioned, you almost came across this idea by accident in actually. Don't go out hunting for them. Have it in the back of your mind and you've got like an idea of the kind of person maybe that you, you want to be working with in the future. But just spreading value and, um, you know, documenting what you're doing, showing off to the world about, uh, not showing off, but 
in, in that sense, but showing people what you are doing and ideas and mistakes you're making and, you know, th things you're coming across. Um, that's, that is actually the best way because it's, it's indirect selling, isn't it really? It's, um, you're, you're just hopefully creating uh, something where people will, then will come to you organically rather than you sort of seeking them out and, you know, sending them a load of copy and paste uh, LinkedIn direct messages <laughs> that a lot of yeah, people well, seem yeah, to exactly. do. People buy into the person, they buy into a brand. I mean, that's why when I chose to, there's no right or wrong answer with social media, but when I saw the property world and it was to that late 2018 and I was going to start an Instagram for it, I thought, well, look, I could, I could go down the route of a business account or I could go down the route of my own personal name account. And I, at the time, there wasn't many people doing it. So I thought I've got, I like to always do something a bit different. So I, you know, did that. And then I, as time has gone on, as I say, that wasn't the goal at the beginning. I just wanted to be a, a, a household name, I guess, in the property world. Um, yeah, it was no, a case mate, of, not far, <laughs> not far off. <laughs> but, you know, um, and then as time went on, I actually realized, yeah, people really do buy into brands. They want to, I'll, I'll post up about, you know, I'll do some fitness in the morning. You know, I like to stay fit and healthy. I might go out for a walk. I might go down to the beach, whatever. Like, it, it's about posting property but also posting a bit about you as a person so then people could see it, it, you are a person, mm -hmm. you know, and, and um, building a brand around that, I guess, as well. Yeah, I think, um, do you know, I think it was, uh, and this might show my age in comparison to yours a little bit, Justin, but I remember when uh, Labour got voted in, in 1997, <laughs> I was, I was, I was, yeah, you know, I wasn't, I was, I was still a kid then, but um, I, was, I was old enough to, un to understand what was going on. And I remember seeing something in the paper and it was like, it was the first election that was where people voted on personality uh, because people liked Tony Blair. They didn't really vote about the policies. Um, and that's, that's always stuck with me. And I think as the years have gone on, I think now we definitely live in a society where people buy people. Um, the idea of nice guys finish last doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. Because uh, I think the, the bad people are getting weeded out a hell of a lot more than they used to. Um, and actually, you don't need to be the absolute best of what you do. You just need to highlight that you're good enough um, to a lot of people. You know, I would often say to people, am I the best mortgage broker in the country? I've, I, maybe I'm decent, but I, I consider myself experienced. I'm good at it, but I would never, never, never believe myself to be the best. So why do I get inquiries when others don't? Um, it's because I, I share my knowledge and value with a lot of people um, yeah. and do it and do it without asking for anything in return. And yeah. what, what yourself and other, other people um, have been doing in the property space is pretty much doing exactly that. You know, are you the most experienced property investor that's ever, ever existed? No, but you still managed to get people that wanted to come and work with you because obviously there was something in what you did, you showed in your personality that they could resonate with and that's, that's what made them want to reach out and actually work with you. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that's... Um... That's it. I, there's a lot of people, you know, I, I get, I still get things wrong. You know, I'm new to property investing. I, I get things wrong and I just try and share it all because um, people like to pick me up on it. But, you know, I just say, well, look, oh yeah, I got that slightly wrong or worked out that calculation slightly wrong, whatever it is, you know, that's part of it. And the, you know, one of the gentlemen I'm working with, really nice guy, I get on with him really well. And he openly just said, yeah, I love that you're, you know, that you're new to it. And that you've done it once, that's great, because then I can see you've done it and your case study for it. And on the next one, he wants to completely come through the journey with me. Not every investor will want to do that. Some people want to just know their money safe and then earn their interest. Mm. Now, this gentleman wants to come through the journey with me so he can do it himself. 
and I guess he feels that I'm the person to do that with. And that might be because I'd put myself out there a bit more. Might be, you know. So, um, and it's yeah. because by me putting myself out there, he's been able to see that our views align, that we're probably going to get on quite well. We've got similar sense of humour and so on. So, yeah, it helps. Absolutely. And you mentioned just little, little things like, you know, stories of, you know, you, you and Aaron Knightley out on the bike ride together. You know, that, <laughs> <clears throat> that's, that's stuff that just... Um, it shows yourself as a human human being, um, and yeah, I, I, my, my ones tend to be just videos of the cats doing stupid things. Um, that, that, that's my uh, yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> I've got to say, mate, I don't love them at the moment. I've just got a new new kitten. Like this, practically just over a week ago, and she's an absolute sod. Um, <laughs> literally, I mean, I've got I've got claw marks all over my hands and legs, and obviously, um, you know, we're having to wear shorts all the time at the moment. That's not that's not good. Um, no, I do. So, yeah, yeah, I'm ha happy to send her down to you if you fancy that for a few weeks. <laughs> no, no problem at all. <laughs> yeah, I've got three now. Three. <laughs> yeah, just oh god, god, god knows. I'm just, I'm just a nutbag, um, crazy, crazy cat man. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. It, sh it shows that 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 sort of human side, and um, yeah, that certainly is something. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you, mate. Not wanting to, to you know probably too much smoking up your ass but one of the reasons i reached out to you to do the podcast is, you know it's, it's quite evident that you're human being passionate about what you do and uh and i knew that you'd have a, a cracking sort of story to share with everyone so i really appreciate you coming on today and uh and, and sharing it with us thank you um, yeah no appreciate you having me obviously there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and they're going to be going right i want to see all this human side on social media so um justin how can how can everyone go about following you uh, uh, and your your bike rides with Aaron and all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Instagram is the, probably the main one. Actually, YouTube might be the main one. But yeah, start with Instagram. That's just at Justin N. Wilkins. Same for TikTok. I'm getting involved in TikTok now. Um, nice. And I look, listen, I look young, but I'm actually 28. So for me to be on TikTok, I still feel really old. Yeah, I'm 35. Um, 35 on TikTok. <laughs> that's, that's like against the law, I think. <laughs> Yeah, they've not allowed that yet, have they? Yeah, nah. yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I said I was 28. That's how I got in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so, you know, give me a follow on TikTok. I will start making more on there. And then, but the main one for me right now is, is YouTube, really. I'm loving making the content for that and getting some great feedback from people. And it's just because, as I say, I literally, I'm not on there to sell you a course, you know, not, not naming anyone, but there's people out there that just want to sell you and flog you stuff. I genuinely just like to provide a bit of entertainment value, nice, nice, good video edit. And, um, and that's probably the best one to catch me on. So that's YouTube. You can just put in Justin Wilkins or Justin Wilkins property. You should yeah. see my smiley face. <laughs> well, well, I'll make sure to put all of the, uh, all of those links into the, into the show notes anyway for you, mate. Um, but before I let you go, probably maybe back to the beach or wherever you're going to bugger off to. Probably, yeah. get. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I did tell you before, I've got, you know, the, the big question, the big question is always uh, the chocolate question. Um, you're, you're, you're joining an elite group of people now that have been asked this question um, because I have discovered that I'm a crazy chocoholic during this lockdown. But if you had to pick out one, one chocolate that you had to eat for the rest of your life, Justin, what's it going to be? It's got to be a milky bar, and now now a lot of people will, will curse at that. Because, okay, because it's a very it's a kids' chocolate ultimately with a lot of sugar. But um, but now it's an easy decision for me. I'm still a big kid at heart, so you know a nice bit of white chocolate goes a long way with me. I was going to say, is it is it a milky bar? It has to be a milky bar. Can it just be any kind of white chocolate? Well, I do like the milky bar, the buttons. 
Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be that brand. I'm not sponsored by them yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> you could be you could be the new Milky Bar kit. That would be awesome. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happily, uh, happily. Do you know it's funny you say buttons there because I, I I was getting really technical with somebody uh, on an Instagram live recently, <laughs> and we were talking about the chocolate thing, and I was saying you know I've actually got it now down on it. It's not just so it's the type of chocolate. So you know a, a brand or like this dairy milk or Milky Bar or whatever, and then there's different methods of consumption, so little categories. And, and I've said that my favourite consumption method is definitely buttons or giant buttons. If I could do giant oh, buttons, yeah, yeah. I've got that's the best. So the, the, if it's like um, dairy milk buttons uh, are the one, yeah. um, Bourneville buttons, like dark chocolate, I, I'd eat literally like 20 bags of those back to back. But also the, the dark with the uh, dark milk ones that Capital's for are amazing. But yeah, white chocolate yeah. buttons as well. Um, and they also, do now do them in, in giant buttons. Do they? Oh, Game changer. <laughs> Might have to pop down the co-op, see if they've got any. Because <laughs> my local co-op are doing all the bags of buttons. And, and when I say all the bags of buttons, so they, they add in like the little mini bits of um, uh, like mini Oreo things. And then the mini... Oh, like diamond. Yeah. yeah. All, all, basically all the stuff that come in, in those bags that cost, you know, £7 when you go to the cinema. They're doing yeah. the whole lot of £1 a bag at the local co-op to me at the moment, oh, which is just... It's really killing my bank balance, if I'm honest with you, mate, because it just means that every other day I'm going down there and spending about a tenner <laughs> on these bags of buttons, which is not, it's just not, it's just not good for you. Um, but, uh, but, but there we go. Cool. Okay. Milky Bar. Add that to this. That's a new beat. That's, well, that's, a, that's a new one. A lot of people will be massively, a lot of people will be massively offended by that. I don't think so. Okay. Hey, look, we, we live in a, in, a, in a society that any, any different chocolate goes nowadays, you know, we're not, <laughs> we're, we're, we're uh, an equal opportunities chocolate show, this, so um, don't you worry, mate, but look, thanks ever so much for coming on, really do appreciate it, mate. And, thanks um, for having me. Yeah, no, no worries at all. And um, yeah, we look forward to, to keeping an eye on how this second project eventually goes on the YouTube channel. Thank you very much, yeah, I'll be documenting everything, so. Good uh, man. Yeah, fingers crossed it goes to plan. I have no doubt it will do. So, yeah. Cheers, mate. <laughs> See you soon. Thank you. Cheers again. Well, there you have it. Another one bites the dust, as they say. But let me ask you a quick question. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, please do subscribe to the podcast as well as rating and reviewing it. This really does help me get my podcast out to more people and I'll be eternally grateful. As well as this, are you in property and wondering what to do at the moment? Well, if that's the case, I've set up a fantastic new Facebook group called Social Media for Property Investors. Check out the link in the show notes below and join us where we will discuss all the things that you need to know to smash it on social media. See you later.